We're starting in five, four, three, two. All right. Any topics you wanted to talk about for sure today? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, my my buddy, who's a comedian, passed away yesterday. And I, I rather than making it a huge bummer, I'd like to talk about like how men deal with their emotions. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd rather not do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that, that's the so first you're time. Strug- that- you're, that's because you're struggling right now. Or- yeah, definitely. Just uh, you know, it's just like as it should be. I mean, when you lose somebody, especially when it's sudden, it's just it's just uh, completely out of the blue. I don't I don't know. I feel like we watched a lot of men in our lives bottle their emotions up and let it out in other n- not good ways. Um, right. you know, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. It might be, it might be a little too so fresh. How close, you were very close with this friend. Yeah, I was, I was pretty close with him. Yeah. I've known him for probably about 10 years. Uh, Kevin Barnett, he was the executive producer of Lil Rel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it was, it was a, it was a shock, but you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it could, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't even want to speculate on that, but word on the street, like his that he got some bad drugs. So I don't even want to say that on the. That's not my place to say, but it was not. It was a rough day. Yeah. Are you all right even doing this? Oh yeah, I'm great. I'm good. Um, I would say great. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm better than ever. No, it's, <laughs> oh, I'm. I'm okay. You know. I'm, do you deal I, with what? Do you deal with stuff like this? Do you use humor, or do you stay away from it? Or because it's weird for us, because in our jobs. Uh, the stand-up side of it a lot of the time you go out there and it's tell some jokes be funny and it's hard to do that when you're not in the mood for it you can do yes. it because you can just turn it on autopilot but that's when th- th- that can be a tough thing because you can start to the f- different feelings can meld together so you're talking and doing your jokes and it's supposed to be jovial and everybody's laughing and clapping for you but at the same time you're going through something awful and those two things your brain can't separate them and they become the same i feel sometimes yeah. almost so it's that difficult i find it when i'm doing stand up if i'm in a down mood there's two ways i can go I'm going to go way over the top in terms of energy to try and trick myself and maybe even the audience. And it's not from truth. And that's what I'm finding for for me. Comedy from truth is where I really want to go and what I really like about it. Or I can slow down and kind of just go, you know, you you kind of just shoot it out and they can feel it. And I think that many times they go more with you on that because they can feel it from the tr- the truth of where your emotions actually are. Uh, but th- that's what's great about this type of thing we're doing here with the, the podcast. We don't have to do jokey jokes and don't have to try and force the... In stand-up, you have to. That's what people are coming right. to, to listen to. And I think we've set the, the, the standard here that we just do what we're talking about. What we're, we do what we're feeling at this time. And so it's it's good just to go with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting how musicians are and and ex ball players that people kind of understand that they don't do that and they're not doing that right now. They're in this other medium and they're kind of and they're talking. But with comics, it's like after a couple of minutes, they're like, "Are you going to say something funny?" It's like I was just trying to be a person. Yeah, I'm. So- <laughs> well, I've had people do that after shows. 
right. where they'll come to me and they're mad that I'm not being the life of the party after a show. This is when I used to sit out there and sign stuff all the time. I do that sometimes still, but this was, I would do it every, I would go out there just to try and sell DVDs at the time. But people would come up to me and go, you're not the guy you were on stage. I'm like, well, I thought you'd rather see the person, the human me. <laughs> you just saw that version. And what did they expect you to have, like on a like a flaming hat and and just be juggling with one hand and write like the signature? I don't know. See, I was uh, doing all that. I was doing like, all of that, but being serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's so weird. I think comics just, you know, we we just love doing stand up, but we really like just like talking because I mean, if you think about it, it's just a medium to express our philosophy through humor. Because if you just said Frank Caliendo is giving a speech today, people are like, well, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> but if you give a funny speech, people line up around the corner, man. Yeah, I, I, it's weird because if people people care about me more when I'm doing my act than not, there are some people that you care about their point of view so much, you would just go listen to them talk. I watch people, and I think those are the most amazing comics that can just talk and new stuff comes out constantly. For sure. Uh, um, but with me, it's people are coming to see the show part. So it's that's the odd tr transition for me that I'm trying to work on as well. So, so are and that, you... And that's a part of it, though. We put yeah. on shows. And, like, there is a responsibility to do that when you're asking people to pay money. I mean, just like anything else. I mean, you don't want to hear that from your chef, you know, when you're at a nice restaurant. Like, hey, my, me and my wife fought all morning, and I just don't feel like being here. It's like, hey, we waited three months for these reservations. Let me let me taste that. Let me taste that flambe. <laughs> what the hell is flambe? I don't know, but it's a funny word. It's an awesome word, but you ne you've never heard anybody order it in real life. No, I, no, just just in the hypothetical. Just just in a hypothetical fancy French restaurant that I picture in Los Angeles, <laughs> with flambe. a one word name. <laughs> 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 Yeah, they they're just annoyed with you because you're about to spend fourteen hundred dollars at the restaurant. Wait here, like that's isn't it weird how people want to be treated kind of poorly? Well, there was that. Do you ever? I don't know if this was a national chain or what, but Ed DeBevix. Do you remember that? No. Remember that? Are you talking about that like the Dick's Last Resort place? Well, they might do that there too. But Ed DeBevix was a place in Milwaukee, and I thought Chicago and maybe some other places where the whole joke was they treat you like garbage. Yeah, That's the whole bit is they treat you awful, awfully, and uh, just you know they jump on tables and stuff like that. Oh shit! I, I just wonder, like, do you think on a day where like you're at work as an employee there and you kind of have the flu, but you have to be this asshole bartender at the same time, and just like you're just like I don't feel well. Listen up, jerk. What do you want? And then the, they've got something to say back. I would just think some days that would get really old. I don't know. I think it all, everything gets old, doesn't it? You do enough of it? Well, as an employee, it's just like, it's got to be rough. Well, you're getting paid to be a jerk. I don't know. I don't know if that would. I mean, that's good practice. <laughs> I mean, it's like for all the bullies all across the world, there's like, hey, there's future employment in this. <laughs> I was like, you are in a bit of a mood tonight. It's, I <laughs> can just feel it. I can just feel nothing it's that it's doing the stand-up when you're not a hundred like you're there but you're just 
there's a full on like you've thrown in a couple of I wouldn't call them bad words, but it's just funny because I I hear they're usually very careful on the podcast, and they're yes. just little ones are slipping out and stuff like let's, that. Let's bleep that one. That up the a hole. There's the nine of them so far. Yeah, okay. No, All right, let's are. let's I'm get just, to double digits. I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> What's happening there? That's uh, the missus. Oh, all right. I want to. Uh, I'm sure she wants me to say goodnight to my kids. So. Oh, you haven't done that yet? Uh, no, not yet. I was building my chair, which is not done. I'm missing an arm. I'm pretty embarrassed. <laughs> You're essentially the fugitive. <laughs> A little bit. How long? I, I feel I reboot for that coming very soon. Really? You think so? I think so. It's kind of like a timeless story, right? It seems like a story that would be like written in those like small books that kids would buy in the 1930s and just read. I don't know. Yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go yes, Al. Absolutely. Do you think that they had fun in the 1930s? Do you think (laughs) they knew that it sucked? No, they did. They had no idea. It was whatever you grow up knowing you can't miss something you don't know about they didn't the, the cave people didn't know life sucked they, <laughs> they had they're like we this is you know they probably didn't use english but i'm sure they didn't use english but if they did they, or they just had thought bubbles it would be wow we're lucky to have these caves it wasn't they must be going to, to other ones caves and be like this is nice i like this <laughs> I love what you're doing with your entry. <laughs> this this hole out front to get in to rock. But it was probably more like. And you have to imagine if you're a cave person, there's probably frequently other cave people coming to take your cave and they're not really going to do a lot of negotiating. So you must you must have just had to fight. I think like. That's why we're still so aggressive. Is you just had to fight for everything every day, and now you're just like, "Hey, right. dude, that, I put my blinker on. That's my space." Yeah, and so we take everything. I think we take everything for granted. You don't realize how much. That's the that's human nature, isn't it? You get something and you assume that everybody should always have it and it should be fine. That's I I really think that's a lot of what we do. Everyday life is having a smartphone. You take the smartphone away, people don't know how to live without it anymore. Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. So, but 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, you didn't, you couldn't use it. I I could not imagine not being able to get a hold of my kids. That's what I was going to ask you. That I think that would be the first thing that I noticed it's just feeling like your kids are just floating out there. Whereas like, you know, our parents are like, yeah, you guys don't come back in for another six hours. So I'm done cooking. Right. You know, and like your kids would just be like free range children. They just be out in the woods near bodies of water. Maybe like un- unchecked for hours. Yeah. I, I, I remember being probably eight years old, riding around the block on a bike or a big wheel. And that your world was that your, you know, your world starts out so small. It's just your house. Then it becomes your yard. Right. And then it becomes the block. 
and then it becomes the whole neighborhood and maybe between your house and school. But that stuff all used to be fine. My, and my wife is way overprotective or has been with our kids that she wouldn't let them go anywhere by themselves. I'm, I was like, you, you have to, you can't, you know, Joey's 19. <laughs> no, he literally, you know, he was 12, 13 years old and kids are walking to school. It's not that far. Right. And she's like, no, we can't. I'm like, he's 13, 14 years old. And now the high school is across the street. So it's, it's once, once that breaks through the, the barrier a little bit with, and broke through with my wife that, uh, it started to be okay for my daughter as well, uh, giving uh, giving them a little bit more space. But she's still just way over the top on it. It's like they have to go out there and do their own things, otherwise they're never going to grow. I mean, that's just that's just so hard to do. You know, I mean, it's almost against your biological instinct to to let your let your offspring go because we know so much. But I wonder, and I want to ask you this. Do you think that we know more or that we only know more of the bad stuff? We talked about that a little bit the other day, too. I, I, I think I, I do think it's a little bit of, it, of, of both. I think it's there were probably serial killers out there years and years ago that they, that they didn't know were out there because they were too good and they weren't being caught. And they didn't tie yeah. everything together. And now they're finding people from even 10, 15 years ago. I remember the, the woman in Cleveland um, that was in that basement for years. and Yeah, there were three of them. Was it three? It was three girls. Three at separate times or one? No, they were, were all down there together. They were special okay, needs. So th no, this, was a different, this was a different one. So okay. is there that much happening? Cleveland, where my wife grew up, and you grew up, the worst place, apparently. We're, we're a depressed football town. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tie it into the football team. Bernie <laughs> Kosar is the reason? What? I, listen, there was a, you know, Ernest Biner fumbling. That, that's what it leads to. <laughs> you can't tie. <laughs> I mean, there's no, a lot I mean, of things. I mean, it's just, I, I just think that, you know, just like with any anything whether it's people or anything you're going to have anomalies uh if you if you have a factory every thousandth couch that you runs down the assembly line something's going to be wrong with it and it's just like people i mean these people are just everywhere and we had shows like to catch a predator 15 years ago to kind of show people like oh they're just guys that every time your kid logs on to a site about how to code something there's just a grown man hey Oh, I'm having trouble with that too. Let's let's private chat about how to. They're like people coming at your kids all the time, and it's not. I don't think it's it. You know, obviously your wife has to let the kids walk or whatever you guys decided, but I don't think you can be too vigilant. I think it's I think it's more than you think. Oh no, I think it's I think it's bad out there. Yeah. Um. I just think you have to you have to keep a little bit of track of them but you just can't be can you you just can't not let them do anything let right them, you know what i'm saying you can't just hover in helicopter constantly you have to give little bits of uh, uh um leeway and let them get out there and do some stuff 
Otherwise, they're never going to be able to form the responsibilities and get somewhere. Well, and I feel like you're going to pay for that tenfold freshman year if you send your kid to college and you've you've kind of kept them cooped up. Now, all of a sudden, they're really on an enclosed campground with other people their age that are also all drinking. And it's just like, yeah, well, that's isn't that what happens with a lot of the uh, LDS kids, the Latter-day Saints kids, the Mormons? They go to a place they've they've been uh, in this kind of a bubble world. They go out and. I remember there was a big thing when I was the, the kids, the college kids are talking about it. I'd go do these college shows and you go to the Utah and they're like, oh, no, they went to Vegas and got married so they could uh, have sex. And then they get uh, unmarried. They get it annulled and then they never broke their. You know, oh, religious. my goodness. You never heard about that kind of stuff? No. I mean, I've heard of about other portals of entry. You know, uh, can we not look, that's what's happened. I have a friend of mine who I currently work with and she grew up in like, um, a very, very Christian household. Like, uh, we go to church on, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays kind of household. And she was like, that was very, that was because for, I wouldn't even say it's it's unpleasant. It's just like, it's so it's, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. It's almost like a weird BDSM relationship that develops with people that are ultra religious and that the, I'm not, I don't want to to say the principle, I'm not in that community. I'm not going to talk out of turn, but it seems like a lot of that is the withholding of pleasure, whether you're tied up or you're being uh, teased or whatever. And then the release because the buildup is, is so intense. And I think that's what you do when you shield teenagers from their, sexual urges you're building it up in a way that they're gonna do things like go get have a sham marriage just to to exercise these fill these physical things that have been in us for for generations i don't know it's i think i do think everybody's different so i don't know you can make that there, I think, yeah, I think some personality types probably. Others are just like me, sat there sad. <laughs> when did you know that you liked girls? Do you remember? Still trying to figure it out, Al. <laughs> what was last Wednesday? Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, I don't even remember. I, I think there was always something. Right. I just don't. I don't know. None of the girls liked me, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> it was pretty awful. It I just, think every comic has that story, though. You, you know, so? how many like super like I, I feel like comics, we always kind of orbit. We're not nerds and we're not popular. We just kind of orbit every kind of genre of kid in, in high school. I didn't really have a group. I just kind of floated. Right. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I was friends with the, the uh, I played baseball, but I, I, I was friends with all the basketball players and the football players, and but I, you know, I knew the the druggy guys and the music kids and band kids. I was friends with everybody. Didn't really care so much. There were people who really did care about who their friend groups were. I didn't even know that was a term until my daughter recently <laughs> said it. And she's like, "I'm upset with my friend group." I'm like, "What? What's a friend?" Friend, okay, a, I a guess friend I'm, pot. Yeah, 
I didn't even know. I, I'd never heard that before until the last. My son's never talked. I think it's more with the girls, friend groups than than the boys. Um, or they just, or she just verbalizes it more, which might be what it is. Cause I've never heard my son utter the phrase friend group. <laughs> I've never heard it. That sounds like what an alien would describe as human beings interacting. This is a friend group. Well, I'll tell you what the, the girls it's, it's, I didn't, I grew up with all boys in my house. So I had, uh, it's a, it's a lesson to me that it's a different world. What do you mean by that? Oh, just, uh, the as as they get older or my daughter at least that just the drama and i hear mothers talk about this all the time that everything she's failed every test it, <laughs> it comes back it's a 33 out of 35 like the night before she's got everybody worried that it's the end of her academic career in seventh grade <laughs> she's gonna she's not even gonna make it into juco and you're just going all right, let's see what it is. And the next day she's got an A and you're going, why did we, I used to do, I used to go through this with her and I would get the emotion and worry for her. And I, at a certain point I just went, I said this, and I said this to my son too. It's seventh grade. It doesn't matter. Well, None of it. Said that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I go, cause they were just getting so stressed and they're going to get A's or B's in there. And as long as they know what the stuff is, especially in eighth, seventh, eighth grade, as long as they know what it is, who cares what the grade is, really? Because half right. the time, I find that the teachers have kids they like and don't like. It's very odd to me. As somebody that taught seventh grade, we do. Yeah, I mean, right? There's some kids that just... And I've seen my son in class. He's a, he's a smart kid. But I've seen him in the back with his, you know, like his head almost on the table. Yeah. Other kids are like that, too. And you're like... I've walked it. That was when he was going to this charter school. And I just walked through the hall and peeked into his classroom one day. And I was like, man, if I was in there, I'd just be slapping him upside the head. I, you know, right. I know you can't do that. I wouldn't. I mean, I well, honestly would once. not do that even as a parent, but you there's wanting to do it. Right. That's okay. Definitely. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just that look of like, what are you doing? But at the same time, I mean, I feel for teacher. I, but, you know, you get into that. I don't know if I told you this. I wanted to be a teacher, but no. then I decided I w wasn't going to be enough money. Or I, I thought, how much am I going to make? And that was the one question I knew I can't ask myself. And I said, I don't really want to be a teacher then. I said, I, I, if I really wanted to, wanted the word wanted to be a teacher, I wouldn't be asking about, is it going to be enough money? As soon as I asked that question, I was like, well, you then I, I'm not doing it because I really, really want to do it. I'm doing it as a time filler because I don't know what else to do. So I think yeah. people who do have that drive, but it's, I understand how hard it is. It's, you know, I can't, I, I don't understand how hard it is because I see my own kids and I can't imagine other people's kids. Like I go to, if my son was playing flag football and he wasn't in the game, I'm like, I didn't come to watch other kids, <laughs> people, other people's kids play flag football. That's the most boring thing in the world to watch other kids play a sport while your child is on the bench <laughs> deserved or not. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. It, like it's the same way. It's like, have you ever waited for somebody at the airport? Like, right. As, as they're being allowed out of departures. And all the people that come out before them, you're like, you could care less about them. 
it's until and then the people that come after them even care less. It's just your people. That's right. Yeah, I, I just I, I know that I actually to when I would coach, I would tell parents, listen, I understand you didn't come to watch other kids play. You came to watch your child play. We're trying to get even amounts of time in these types of leagues. That's what they are. So we're we're trying to do it, but we're and a lot of them were also you. One of these leagues that we played in, it was play everybody, but try to win. And those are two very different things. Yes. And then I'd ask the league director, I'd say, are we trying to, do we have to play everybody equal amount of time? No. Do we, can we try to win? Yeah. I go, well, how do you decide? He goes, just do whatever you want. I was like, <laughs> all right. We're I gonna, can do that. I'm going to keep recruiting all year long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake birth certificates. I remember that my son's first time we won the flag football championship was just like, it was a pretty much a wreckish kind of league, a wreck league. Uh-huh. And I cry. I was tearing up. I was so proud of my. Really? Like, oh yeah. Oh, it was brutal. I was. Like, <laughs> you guys, I'm so proud. I was really <laughs> that proud, and I said, I know this is ridiculous, but I'm this proud of these guys. Why is that ridiculous? I think that's awesome. Oh, because I mean, it was a the the they don't they didn't even paint lines on the field. They were cones. You know. Hey, that they won. Yeah, it was a big. De- I mean, it was a big deal at the time, and, and I. I, my son went from not playing at all to somebody else started him as a quarterback. And I was like, really? Okay. And then uh, I started coaching. We had this kid who was just better than everybody on our team. Right. So we would, they always thought we would make sure we only gave him the ball once every three plays. And they still said we gave the ball to him every time. I'm like, no, he just scores every third play. Oh my goodness. Um, and then if we get up by too much, now he's got to come out. Yeah, we 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 take him out or something. I remember another team was built just to try and beat our team. This guy came in. He had a terrible team, and he kept going and finding these kids that there's no way they were the right age by the end. And somehow we we beat them by two touchdowns in the 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 championship. And the guy was so mad because he he had spent two seasons finding these kids all over Phoenix to try and beat us. Wow. And then we went to the next league up, the the more competitive league, and we got crunched, destroyed. Like immediately was it did the kids are just bigger and faster? Yeah, just yeah, just totally like real athletes playing and with uh like trained skill, the yeah. defensive backs were backpedaling properly and <laughs> getting out of their breaks and everything. Like, yeah, oh. unbelievable Uh-oh. how how much different it was. Uh, and it was just a, 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 a an eye-opening experience that because I thought we had a pretty good team, but then you go there and you just get obliterated. Well, let me, uh, this is kind of in the same vein. I have a question. Uh, now it's, uh, it's interesting where we are, where this could be your son or your daughter. If they became an, an MMA fighter, could you go to the match? Wow. Um, I'd real. I really don't know. I have no idea. I, my kids are so far from that, right? That, that they're just. I couldn't even see either one of them doing that. I'm trying to think if there's anything I could draw a comparison. To. How? How well, could you? I don't know. I've always thought about it. I went to a fight. Um, when I was in Phoenix, matter of fact, at the I always want to call it the tickle stick, but the walking stick. 
Talking uh, stick? The talking stick. Yeah, the tickle <laughs> stick. <laughs> that sounds like a, sounds like, a, uh, like a comedy club in the early 80s that closed due to lack of tax payment. Sounds like a club, but not a comedy. The tickle stick. Why is there a black curtain here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I went to a fight, and uh, we had really good seats. We were close to the cage. And the fighter uh, had his family like a long cage line. like they had their elbows kind of all, like almost on the on the mat, and he got knocked out right in front of his grandmother. And I remember just standing there because I remember seeing her. I was like, I don't know if I could have my grandmother right there, you know, just like nah, nah. Just, yeah. That uh, and then he like literally he fell in front of her. I just feel I see like a Rocky hitting the. The the mat and the yeah. spit flying out and grandma's there. Yeah, it's a rough one. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't even fathom it. No, I don't. I really don't know. Well, I mean, it it goes to a larger point where it just I think part of being a parent is just knowing that your kids have to. You know what? The answer is no. The, no, I couldn't <laughs> go. I wouldn't do it. I don't even like you to go to see it. Like a, like go with them to the dentist. Yeah, I don't. I don't oh, want to see them get a tooth drilled or something. I, no way. I make. I. I literally. My wife gets so mad at me. I'm like, I can't. I can't do this stuff. This stuff. You're the mean one. You. <laughs> you take care of this because I can't. I can't deal with any trauma to my kids or mm-hmm. injuries or anything. I just turn into nothing. I go from being totally logical to helpless and a waste. Any kind of situation like that. Well, I've always said it's unnatural for you to love your kids as much as we do. It's now or any How's that unnatural? Because it's your, I think biologically, you should be, you should have offspring, but just, you should always be thinking about yourself as number one. But there's something about the your kids, do your love of your kids that you almost don't care about yourself anymore. And I think. A lot of people's relationships suffer because they they don't care not don't care as much but don't have as much time and focus on their spouse and their relationship. I just think kids, once you have them, there's something so special that it's hard for anything else to measure up. And uh, it's you know just Change, like letting I, them I, out is is tough. I went from having like what you would probably consider zero feeling, human feelings, human emotion, right. to being mush. Or yes. mush, depending on where you're from, constantly. Like watching The Rookie, the movie The Rookie, and tearing <laughs> up. Uh, like I just, I was never like that. And then I had kids and it changed. It probably helped me like even with acting and, and that type of stuff. Because uh, in comedy, because of emoting in those moments and right. showing that. But absolutely not. I never would have had any kind of. I, I tear up during TV shows. It's just, it's ridiculous. The oh, World damn. Series, uh, Game Two. No. Uh, yeah, we ran a clip of a of a guy, uh, like this young guy that took his baby to go get vaccinated for the first time. And you know, we're just running a clip, and I and I watched it. And I was just started tearing up. Because I've done that, and I in the in the pure emotion was coming out of his way. Because he was like a southern black guy, so like when they would they would you know prick her with the needle, he'd be like, "Oh Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, baby, I'm sorry." And just like it was just so, it was that feeling of just a father, you know. It was just like it was so powerful because you could feel like this the love he had 
for his for his kid and it's just like there's all yeah there's so much emotion and uh i feel like maybe you don't either you don't feel it or you don't feel comfortable expressing it until you have kids where you're like after, after you've got kids you're like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna cry at a lot I'm, i cry at weddings fine with that i just don't go to the weddings again I, I don't i couldn't tell you the last time i've been to a wedding oh i, I well there's there's a period in your life where all your friends are getting married i didn't have many friends well, I can see. I, I got <laughs> I got rid of a lot of my friends, so I don't have to go to their weddings. I had always had the excuse that I was working on the weekends because as a comic, oh, a you're always working on Saturday. I, I'd love to go, but I got to make five hundred bucks this weekend. Yeah, that was doesn't have you on the website, Frank. Well, they they're slow on the uptake. Corporate, it's corporate. Oh, that corporate, corporate. private event, Frank. Wow, corporate show. Nothing like a good old fashioned private event lie. <laughs> half my life <laughs> exactly a private event <laughs> no yeah it's uh it's an interesting world we've inherited and then i can kind of find feel it i don't know if you feel i feel myself i feel my kids killing me <laughs> <laughs> i feel it i love it i'm fine with it but just like you give them all your attention and all your your mental attention, you're just like, yeah, eventually you're just going to. That's why you just see people's parents when they're in college. You're like, oh, why is he in a wheelchair? It's like they sucked it out of him. They sucked everything. He has nothing left. He's Mr. Glass. Yes. He just tells them to, tells them to call every once in a while. And they say they forgot, but they were really stoned. Jeez. I, this is a random story, but I'll tell you. I was, uh, <laughs> I was staying uh, at a hotel and there was a uh, a Comic Con convention staying there. Have you ever been in a hotel where that was happening? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I was uh, one of those anime. Also, I'll talk to you about that too, as I have some thoughts. Uh, but this businessman sat down with me. I was eating lunch at the at the hotel bar, and he just turns to me and he says, "Thank God, you're the only person I've talked to that doesn't have a damn battle axe in his hand." <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest. He was just like this older white dude, and he was so funny. And uh, I, the reason I, I brought this up was, we, I, you know, he's like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a comic. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm here. I'm not going to say the name of school. He's like, my wife sent me up here. I'm taking my son back home. He's smoking too much pot. <laughs> it's just like he was on um, he was on his way up to just take his son out of school. And I guess air him out. And he said he was going to let him go back next semester. But I'm like, how much pot is that? Where like your parents in another state know that you're smoking that much pot? That they're getting uh, contact highs from your. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told you, I've never done any drugs. So right. I'm such a, I think I'm, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe the outcast in that, especially in this world. But, um, I like food. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, we all have our drug and food's a good one. Yeah. Are you just like, are you, a, are you like a foodie in terms of like you like going to really nice restaurants or you just like, you just want a nice steak? I like steak. Like, I'm a yeah. pretty, I'm a pretty good steak guy. Uh, there's the, 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 the grocery store out here has this pulled chicken that I've been eating recently. That when I can get it, I can't figure out wh how it's pulled. It's not like, <laughs> like there's shredded chicken and it's not that. It's juicier. And I'm salivating right now just thinking about it. Uh, I've got to figure out what how this is made because it's so healthy. 
that that's what I want to eat is just the, 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 the pulled chicken. Well, I think we've looked out in that, like the reason that we're both in some form of shape is because I think it's easy to eat healthy now. Like most of the stuff that's healthy, I'm like chicken and broccoli, fine. Salmon and peas. Okay. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I think eating healthy is easier than ever. Like I don't well, really crave junk food. Do you like, Oh yeah, I do. Chocolate. Like, it's just chocolate. Yeah, you could have it every day. Constantly like a cake. I could eat a cake a day. Really? Would, oh yeah. I could do it in one bite. I just, if there's stuff, I have zero, <laughs> it's just hideous. Why I would, I would, if it wasn't for chocolate, I'd probably be 80 pounds, like literally 80 pounds. <laughs> I just, I can't, I'll get through a whole day. I'll eat well all day, eat chicken salad, not chicken salad. I don't like chicken salad, but chicken in the salad. I'll eat that, and at the end of the day, there'll be some kind of chocolatey thing sitting around, and I'll just eat half of it. So I'll be at, like, <laughs> 1,900 calories going into 9 p.m., see some leftover Dairy Queen cake in the freezer, and all of a sudden I'm eating the chocolate cookie out of the middle of it. Like, I don't even eat the ice cream parts. I chop out the ice cream on the sides and just eat the cookie goodness with the caramel. I God, can't I really... Gonna... I can't be mad at you for doing that. That's kind of a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. Why why ruin it with the ice cream and cut it? Just go straight. Just that stuff is unbelievable. That's the crack of the frozen cake world. <laughs> now, I feel like there's only a few. There's a couple lanes that you can take. Some people are frozen cake people and some people aren't. I, I just feel a lot of pressure to eat it when it first comes out. I don't I don't like having pressure. Just give me some angel food. <laughs> You're you don't like that you don't like that there's a time issue. You're <laughs> under like the gun and I'm you're worried that it might not, it's not gonna be cake anymore, it's gonna be <laughs> sugar soup. That's really what it and you gotta finish it. No, you don't really have to. But that's why in the end, what would be left? Just that chocolatey cookie goodness in the middle. And then you don't even need that stuff. It could melt away and that's what's left. See, um, my, my thing is like, I like, I like gummy bears. And so I'm like, I'm still really? like nine years old. Yeah, everyone, it's just like, but I only want it like once a week. I'm just, I'll pull over at a gas station and get some Starburst like I'm 12. I just like them. You like that kind of sweet. I, I Yeah, I go for that. I made myself oatmeal today just to try and eat oatmeal throughout the day when I was looking, when I was craving carbs and throw a little bit of brown sugar in there just so yeah. it's, as opposed to, uh, you know, looking for, I literally will just go on search missions. Like what, what can I find somewhere hidden? Because the kids hide stuff from me because, because <laughs> I will just eat their food. Which uh, there is in quotation marks. You're like a bad roommate. I, you know what? I am. But I, I pay the entire rent. Yes. A bad roommate who pays all the rent. That's what Or as we call that, the best roommate ever. Right? The, it's, it's some type of weird dichotomy. Is that the right word? There's some dual thingy. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're both tired. I think you're over my head on that dual thingy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> All this tech talk. Not a lot of not a lot of brilliance. I'm still trying to think of what's the title of this episode going to be? Random thoughts and and getting Al through the night. <laughs> yeah, random thoughts with Al and Frank. Because we usually come with some more topics and stuff. I just did this. I I just came. I, you the whole night was kind of thrown out. We wanted to have one that came out on time, and we did an extra one this week uh, with Star Spangled Banter. And so, but you ended up having to do extra work tonight for your real job, and then I was doing a comic podcast, which was the first. It, it start. It, it was a comic book podcast, but I only know so much about comic books that I was like, we have to expand this. Plus, my audience, I don't think, really cares about just comic books. Let's go to the whole nerd type of universe stuff and teach me what I don't know and we can get into it and uh, and get going on that type of stuff. But the first ones were very random and it was more interviewing people. And we actually had some material tonight and we came in with a purpose and I came out of it going, wow, this is what it's supposed to be. This is on the way now. It's really working. I'm looking forward to it. Whereas a week ago, I was like, I, I just don't know what this is going to be yet. Because with our podcast, I really believe I, I know what what it is for the most part. Right. Um, it's... I, I talked to, I told a couple different people. There's different versions that we do. Tonight's a little different, um, but I think that's what's great about what we're doing, is it can it can be a lot of different things. But somebody asked me about what it was, and and I said especially the last couple of episodes, I said talking about politics without being political. And they said, how do you do that? I go, well, you just learn, and you just you listen. You agree with some things, you disagree, you ask questions, and you walk away in the end and go, okay, I I like this, I didn't like this, I, I like that. But we do that on all kinds of issues. And on the comic book podcast, I was like, well, what are we, we're only interviewing each other right now. That's all it is. And it didn't have the, actually, it's interesting because I actually felt it had, that had more structure tonight than what we're doing tonight. And... I, I, it's, it's interesting that, that ebb and flow, but I was worried about it with the comic podcast with this. I'm actually like, well, I just know we will pick specific topics on another day. And this is just kind of going through, uh, some different feelings. And this is how people get to know where we come from on the things we're going to talk about later too. Completely agree. Yeah. And you are just in a somber I'm I not, understand. I'm it. not. I, I was listening to you in your in your. Uh, I was actually thinking about like what to do to kind of open up the uh, the the comic uh, podcast. We'll talk about that. I mean, it's interesting because there is. I was surprised, and maybe you weren't at how even going back to the first Iron Man, how big the comic book movies are, and obviously that means that that audience has been sitting there. I just didn't know. I, I collected comic books for a period, but I just didn't know how big that. that, that I don't did. think it has. A, it doesn't have that much to do with comic books. I don't even think. I don't think that's who the core audience. I think some of the audience is that. Mm -hmm. I think they're just fun stories. 
And there are two things that are going on right now in terms of entertainment. The two big genres. One is superheroes. People love superheroes. And the other one's horror. And if you look, the horror stuff, there was, you could not sell a horror movie to save your life years ago. They would only come out on Halloween. That's the only time. And now I can't even name all of them, but there are a bunch in Jordan Peele. I know Jordan from Mad TV. That's so Uh, cool. Um, yeah, I haven't I, man, I haven't talked to him in quite a while, but um but Jordan wanted to be a B movie horror aficionado or he just that's what he wanted to make was like different versions of horror movies. And it it's at the he's at the right time and now it's amazing. I don't know if he set the if he if he's the trendsetter. I believe there was one that might have come out before um Get Out by somebody else. I mean, there, horror movies were starting to trend and maybe he just saw it ahead of time and he, cause he spent a lot of time, you know, creating that and getting that made. I mean, if there's one thing about Jordan Peele and, and Keegan-Michael Key that they did that I always wish that I had had the guts to do is they told everybody, no, 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 I don't want to do it your way. I'll just take the deal that gets less money and I make my show. Right. And that's, they found their audience. And the best people I've ever seen, the people I admire the most, do that. Will Sasso would do that at Mad TV, a couple other Mad TV cast members. And sometimes those some of those cast members, they they people would be mad at them because they would only want to do things their way. And as, I was like, I was always acquiescing and doing things everybody else's way just to make people happy. And it never turned out the way I wanted because it wasn't true to me. Right. And I wish I had done that. And I would have taken... People thinking I was, you know, a pain in the butt at times. Now to have done what I wanted to do, because I see that that's how you make real art. You, the other way is just kind of meandering through and being businesslike, which I've always thought of myself more as the business side of show business, um, as opposed to the art side of it. <laughs> Stop reading from your website. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty true. No, but I mean, look, man, you, you know. Your wiring has, has made you very successful, though, as well. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people have, you know, I think for as much as we romanticize about uh, making art, I think a lot of people probably missed out on some checks they wish they had now uh, because of art. Now, I'm not saying that 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 pursuing what you ultimately want to do and you see where uh, where where, uh, where Jordan Peele is. But I'm I'm sure, as we all have, we've had to, to do things that we weren't huge fans of to make a paycheck. And I think now we're lucky enough to kind of pick and choose our projects. But I think there is a a part in everybody's career where you just got to kind of eat it for a little while. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, I moved so fast when I first got into comedy because nobody was doing impressions at the time and there wasn't YouTube and it's, I, I never, I was on TV doing sketches before I'd ever really done a sketch live, everybody really? was everybody had come. I'd never done anything other than stand up and a couple of rehearsals. And people had trained at the Groundlings and Second City and other improv things for years. And they were way ahead of me in terms of the acting level. And I remember getting when I first got to the first show I did, they're like, well, you sound kind of like the person, but you're not moving around or acting like them. 
I was oh. like, oh, I never even realized I you know, would have to do the person's walk. Okay. And I did. I would do it on stage for just a short time, not continue to do it throughout the whole sketch. Right. And it's a learning process, and you've got to get those muscles and understand that as opposed to just performing out. Stand-up is a lot of times just performing out to the audience. Right. Whereas acting is performing in a bubble, and they just happen to be looking in on you. And it's hard for, I think, a lot of stand-ups, and myself included, especially at the beginning, to feel the difference. Because the stand-up, you're talking directly. It's like a conversation, a one-way conversation, essentially, between you and the audience. And right. acting is a back and forth and constantly listening and waiting and not, you know, not waiting for their answer because you don't know what it's going to be. You have to forget that you know what the answer is that's coming and then remember how to react after what you just tried to forget so you could remember. So it's a lot of living moment to moment. That's crazy. It's, it's so different than stand-up where it's just you're doing it. And you once you've done it, you get into a role and you could, you could do your grocery, grocery list while you're on stage speaking. That's interesting. That's where, you know, I, you, I, th I think comics are always looking for another muscle to, to exercise. I mean, for me, uh, that was one of the draws about doing a daytime talk show. It's, it's, you know, it's such a different muscle. You're sitting down, you're not always trying to be funny, but also if you are the only comedian on the panel, you do have responsibility to, to find places to put humor in, but then you kind of have this thing where like, we just did a story about a boat over overturning in Haiti. So can I make a joke on the next story? Like, you know, you're thinking about things. So it's like, where, where do you get in? When do you lay back? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating, but these different jobs that we can have now, uh, I think everybody could have a, I don't consider stand up a side hustle. And this isn't, I think I just have two jobs, but I think it's kind of cool where we can multitask to the point where, you can run, run a couple podcasts and also do stand up and also do uh, some writing and punch up on the side. I think there's there's a cool thing in that. Like our lives are, I would say, as full as they can be for for where. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think to me, stand up is always fun because you, especially when you're creating new stuff, it's fun because you can go out there and you don't have a boss. Yeah. The only boss oh. is really the audience if they're laughing or not. And everything else, especially in TV, it's also regimented and you've got to do what they tell you to do. It's amazing people don't even realize directors, especially in comedy, they're just kind of make sure you get all the shots. It's not as much of being super creative and the people who can get the shots and get them quickly. They work all the time. It's not really. That is such a good point. It's not, you know, it's not like being a director in a film where you are there from the very beginning for the most part. You might even be writing the whole thing and picking the cast, all that kind of stuff. The director on a TV show, episode, an episode, might only be in there for that one episode and everything else has been done in terms of right. sets are picked and it's all all set there. Not that it's, I'm not belittling it. It's just a different, 
a, a different thing. You don't. You, you would think director on a TV show is the same as director in a film. And I've only been around one film, but I know from other people just that, hey, it's a completely different world. When I was filming my BBC show early on, this is like season two, uh, we had a, a director that stepped in for another director that got ill. And um, we were at... Um, this is when I was Guinness Book of World Records show. So we were at this that pizza place in Burbank that's got the world's biggest pizza. I think it's like 278. Uh, pizza Hut. Yes, Pizza yeah. Hut. <laughs> it's called the Friday Night Forget About It. Uh, yeah, I. so we were at this place and the, I made the pizza, whatever. But the intro, the, the director that was filling in was so green that she just didn't give me any. She had a script for how I was supposed to say, hey, we're here at mama's and papa's you know pizzeria it's 1937 blah, blah. she didn't understand that like if i said it, it, they are instead of they are we didn't have to do it over <laughs> and i did 27 takes and i remember at the end like the cameraman had to put their cameras down like i was so frustrated because after a while after you've been saying like the same 10 lines over and over again like your brain is just gone and it's it, it what you said is right. It's like the people that that overshoot and make people work too long. They don't work that long in this business, and they just really don't. I'm sure it's redundancy in any business. You're going to be gone. Yeah. All right. I think that's the key. That's a that's what the title of this show is. All right. All right. Dot dot dot. That was. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's try and do another one tomorrow. Are you around tomorrow? Uh, I, uh, I think I am. I, it depends on the time. Um, my schedule's, uh, to say it's just 12 to three tomorrow. And then uh, I go to Miami Friday. Uh, and I'm back right, what, Sunday. What are, you, what are you doing out there? A uh, uh, club? Yeah. I have a, no, uh, just a, like a, it's a venue, just an open stage there. Um, An open stage. It's called the open stage. It's a venue. It holds, oh. I don't know, a couple hundred people. Um, this is you headlining? Yeah. It's oh. me down there. And, and um, I'm in Key West that Saturday. Uh, I guess they're trying to start a room there. So Key West has always been a notoriously terrible comedy town. But we shall see. And then I'm back Sunday. All right. Alan Frank, try to be serious.com, all the information. Uh, and we will, uh, we will make magic. We will, just like we did today. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>